0: You're listening to high temperature times, but as we enter the frigid weather, we might consider calling these months low temperature times. Anyways, my name is Griffin Patterson and I am an application specialist with Harbison Walker International. This month, we're busy celebrating the holiday season. That's why we want you to spend less time thinking about work and more time celebrating with family. So to that end, we're gonna keep it short this month and talk about how winter weather can affect refractory performance in installations. No guess, no bull, just facts. As much as I love getting the real experts in the podcast to talk about the important issues in the refractory industry, I am told they're quite busy wrapping presents and cooking the holiday ham. So for this episode, you're stuck with me monologuing about the critical factors involving monolithic refractory and cold weather applications. Some of you are still enjoying the geographical advantage and soaking in the vitamin D, but you never know when you'll be working with refractory in the icy tundra of the north, or working with products that have come a long way down an icy highway to get to you. So, here are a few things to keep in mind when doing installs in cold weather. I'm sure it won't come as a surprise to you when I say that monolithic refractories require water, and that that water is subject to freeze if exposed to temperatures below 32 degrees Fahrenheit. It's for that reason that you should keep your freshly installed refractory toasty warm on both the hot face and the cold face during the curing period. More than that, however, During the formation of calcium aluminate hydrate phases that provide the cement bond strength in that initial curing phase, it's important to keep the refractory above 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Those of you that listened to Jeff Bogan on the dryout episode might recall this, but for those that forgot, if the calcium aluminates are below 70 degrees during that initial cure, they'll be more likely to form CAH10. You can think of that as calcium alumina with 10 hydrates tacked on. This is a very weak gel-like phase with low permeability and higher chemical water, leading to more steam pressure during the dryout process. Additionally, the CAH10 phase has higher shrinkage during dryout, approximately 50% shrinkage in fact, that will cause the cement phases to pull away during dehydration, reducing the overall strength of the refractory lining. I say all this to remind our installers of the importance of maintaining good atmospheric temperatures during that curing stage. But understanding the effects of temperature is important even before you install the refractory. Picture this, you're a proactive installer, not some dummy. You know that in these winter months, you can't expect the truckload of refractory to arrive the exact minute you need it. So you get ahead of things and have the truck drop off your shipment of VersaFlow 60 a couple days beforehand. That way, your guys can show up and get the insulation done lickety-split. However, those bags of refractory have been sitting around in the cold for a few days. Here's your first thought. I'll add warm water when mixing, so the final mix is back to room temperature. Here's why that doesn't work. We're adding 5.5% water to this when mixing. Three pounds of warm water isn't going to heat an ice cold 55 pound bag of material. So that idea won't work. What about this one? We put the material in a tent with some heaters for a couple hours beforehand to get the entire area warm enough to roast some chestnuts. Sounds smart, right? Just remember that refractories are insulating materials. You're using them because you want to keep the 2,000 degree temperatures inside your vessel from getting outside. So if you heat up the outside of that pallet, what do you think happens to the middle of it? We ran a little trial of this at our Smithville location. We took a pallet of material and put a thermocouple on the outside and another one in the middle. We then left it outside in the middle of winter until the two temperatures matched. Once they did, the pallet was brought inside and left until the middle of it reached a usable temperature. You might want to grab a couple mugs of eggnog if you plan on waiting, because it was a long time. It took three days of the pallet sitting inside a heated warehouse to return to a usable temperature. So while putting that pallet of icy material inside a heated tent might get the outside of the bags back to a usable temperature within a shift or two, you'll need a lot longer than that if you plan on using every bag on that pallet. This also applies to those 2,000 pound bulk bags with the material sitting in the middle of the bag versus the material at the edge. So rather than advancing those materials straight to the job site to sit in the cold for a few days, consider having them put into a heated warehouse so the material is ready to use when you are. One final consideration when using materials in the frigid north is to ensure that you don't start the day with a cold mixer. You've put all the effort into keeping the material warm and keeping the vessel warm for the cure. Don't waste that first patch by putting the material into an ice cold mixer. Your men won't be the only happy ones when you tell them the mixer is set up in a nice warm area. Just don't tell them that the only reason for that is to keep the mixer from ruining your first batch. Your bags of castables aren't the only materials that need to be kept from the cold either. There are lots of other materials that fare poorly in freezing temperatures. When shot creating materials, you should also keep your liquid activators like Activator N and the CS Tech binder from freezing as well. These liquid binders will lead to separation when freezing. For those unfamiliar with the CS Tech line, these are the no cement shot materials that are bonded with colloidal silica. It's some really high-tech stuff. The magic happens in the bucket of activator. These buckets are a water solution with tiny particles of silica suspended inside without forming a solution. The particles don't settle out to the bottom and they can't be filtered using traditional methods. Another example of a colloid could be the fog that Rudolph's nose so bright pierced through. And colloids can actually be identified by their milky transparency. Anyways, I digress. If you freeze the colloidal silica binder, the water will freeze and all the colloidal particles will be forced away from the growing water crystals. With the water frozen, the silica will form a gel that will be impossible to return to a colloid, even after the water thaws. Any frozen CSTEC binder will need to be thrown away. Other liquid binders, like Activator End, should also be kept from freezing temperatures. Since this is a solution and not a colloid, it can in theory be remixed into solution after the ice has been thawed. However, this is not easily done, and realistically should also be disposed of. Alright, one last consideration before I leave you to your figgy pudding. Ambient temperatures can affect set times. Many of our customers will know this by the winter mix and summer mix preparations we previously had. In reality, an international company selling product to Saskatchewan Canada and Sao Paulo, Brazil, shouldn't limit themselves to the climate of one region, so that was rightly done away with. However, the science still remains. If you're installing KS-4 in East Java, Indonesia, it's going to set faster than if you're installing it in Juneau, Alaska. Thus, when mixing and installing refractories in the winter wonderland, expect the set times to be longer. To that end, you might consider online or quick-set rated materials, as they are known to set faster than their standard setting counterparts. Another mentality would be to utilize higher cement castables if possible. Cement hydrate formation is an exothermic process meaning that it generates heat. As the water and lime react, the material will heat up and assist with the set behavior. This heat will help keep the material above that aforementioned 70 degrees Fahrenheit when the weather just can't. If you're really in a pinch, you could utilize field additives to adjust the set time of your castable. Citric acid is sometimes used in hot climates to slow the set times down, while hydrated lime can be used to accelerate them, such as we need here. HWI's activator HL is a hydrated lime powder that will do the trick well, but there are lots of other possible activators that you can use here, such as calcium silicate, calcium nitrate, water glass, or lithium carbonate. You can see the trend I'm working towards here. These are all alkali suppliers that will increase the reactivity of the mix, causing it to set faster. But how much do we add? This is a critical question because too much, and you'll end up flash setting your refractory in the mixer or even worse, the pump. So you'll want to start low and increase as needed. It's really an art more than a science. Consider starting at maybe 001 or 0.02% addition. That means two to three teaspoons of hydrated lime powder for every 55-pound bag you use. Seriously, it goes that far. And please, talk to your HWI representative before you embark on this endeavor of field-adding anything to our mixes. You'll come to appreciate our expertise in this area. So, we looked at keeping your vessel warmed in that curing phase. We looked at keeping your material and staging area warmed. We talked about not letting your activators freeze, and we mentioned adjusting your set times by adding a scotch of hydrated lime. Are you ready to abandon winter and move to the beach yet? Or maybe we just spend these months looking at brick installations where we don't have to worry about the weather conditions or dryouts. No matter what path you take, HWI is here to help. If you need help understanding specific effects of climate conditions on specific products or need advice on how to modify a dryout for certain conditions or what field additives to use, give us a call or reach out to us at technical-marketing at thinkhwi.com. But most of all, we here at HWI wish you all a happy holiday and we look forward to bringing you more great episodes of High Temperature Times in the new year. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Merry holidays and a Happy New Year.